All right, welcome to ABC Cafe. I'm your host, Anthony Apodaca, and I am here with Elizabeth Parker. She is the Public Engagement Director for Sustainable Montpelier Coalition. She's worked for the New York Times News Service and National Wildlife Federation Editions, as well as the Economic Development Chair of Marshfield, Vermont. And she's here to talk with us about a, a new initiative from Sustainable Montpelier Coalition, which is My Ride by GMT. Elizabeth, welcome to ABC Cafe. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So why don't we just start with the fundamentals? What is Sustainable Montpelier Coalition and why should anybody care about it? <laughs> well, um, it, the Sustainable Montpelier Coalition uh, came out of um, uh, sustain. Uh, oh my gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, uh, it. Well, we started out with a design competition uh, a number of years ago, where we tried to reimagine what Montpelier would look like if all the parking of which 65% of Montpelier's downtown is parking. So on our website, we have a great map that shows all the red of parking. If that land were repurposed uh, for housing, for uh, commercial use, and for green space, it would change the face of Montpelier. And uh, so uh, design competition, um, was launched uh, and over 20 groups from all over the world entered that design competition. Uh, and what year it, was this? What year was it? Such a good question. I think it was, I think give it or was, take five years. <laughs> yeah, I know really <laughs> like I think early 2000s, 1953. What are we talking I, about? I thought it was 2017. Okay. 2000. Oh, so very recently, very recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. And, um, I'm trying to, uh, uh, remember, I'm just having one of my senior moments, the actual organization that did it was, um, Deb Sachs and Dan Jones at that point were part of, um, I want to say sustainable Vermont, but it's not sustainable Vermont. I if, I will get there. I'm sorry for being the vague specific. Anyway, it's okay, uh, something for our the listeners to you. keep engaged. <laughs> will know, we reveal the name of this organization by the, the end mystery, of the episode? The mystery will be revealed. Uh, anyway, uh, so um, there was a wonderful display in Montpelier at in this in the. Um, space that was once one more time it's a large space uh, on main street and at that point it, the space wasn't occupied so all of the different designs were hung and people came through and viewed the designs and we had a, a wonderful little sheet where they could uh, choose their top five favorite so that was round one of the design competition and then the five top designers went off and did a more detailed plan of what Montpelier might look like in 2030. So it was called the um, Sustainable Montpelier 2030 Design Competition. Mm -hmm. And um, so then the second round uh, we had at, at uh, the final uh, discussion at the pavilion, which we packed. And then there were so many people who'd signed up that we had part of the Unitarian Church, um, you know, people were there with the streaming and it was also streamed into people's homes. 
Uh, so the five presenters uh, each, I think, did a half hour presentation. And uh, then that started. And they also did a very um, detailed design book, which was available at the library to either go and look at or to take home and look at. Um, it was available online. And so then voting happened again. And so we had, um, I don't know, pretty close to a thousand people who were engaged in that process. And uh, so a winner was finally chosen, which was uh, wonderful. Uh, and uh, it was Team Bridges. Uh, and there uh, they, we had a final award ceremony uh, at the Oak Creek Room uh, in the, at the State House. And it must have been, maybe it was only four years ago because it was in uh, the governor's first week or so. And he actually uh, made the award. So it must have been four years ago that, so yeah, but it was 2017 when the design competition happened and then the award was made in the beginning of 2018. Um, so anyway, it was a wonderful event. And, um, you know, so many people became engaged in what they wanted to see Montpelier look like. So one of the first things that um, we realized after the design competition was that uh, that parking was such a key issue. And so Montpelier is a sort of unique town. We have approximately 20,000 people Monday through Friday during the day, and um, just a little under 8,000 people who actually live in town. Right. So those people who come in and work for the state and other um, organizations uh, really are single occupancy vehicle users and uh, take up a lot of space downtown for their parking. Uh, and we realized that in doing our numbers and our research that also approximately, um, I'd say 1,500 to 2,000 people from Montpelier actually work downtown and drive their cars from their home in Montpelier downtown and park their cars all day. So we realized that if we could change how we do transportation, uh, it would free up space downtown that could then become housing, which we desperately need in Montpelier. Housing is a, like, we're just, we've kind of peaked somehow and we really need to find space where we can have more housing. And it would provide potentially green space along the river uh, instead of having parking lots, which are, um, you know, starting to continue to pollute uh, the Winooski all the way to Lake Champlain. Right. So it was like a win, 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 win. Uh, and a round table, a transportation round table um, was initiated with local businesses, the state, the city, uh, and nonprofits. Uh, and and uh, we had done some research on microtransit and it turns out that um, we had we got via from um, the Boston area to come up and do a talk about what microtransit was, um, and then we also talked about satellite parking and we talked about um, the potential for uh, train how uh, reestablishing train service between Barry and Montpelier because 900 people come from Barry to Montpelier in the old days, pre-COVID, um, right. to work. 
so that out of that came a working group, VTrans put together a um, working group on microtransit. And so can you, there's a, a lot to cover, so I have to interrupt a little bit to ask a few sure, questions because no, I'm, I'm not clear on a couple of things. So what is satellite sure. parking and just in a nutshell, okay. what is... Um, yeah, so yeah. satellite parking would be uh, if you're driving in from the east or the west, because mostly um, the housing population, you know, where people live who come to work in Montpelier either live east of Montpelier or west of Montpelier. So when they drive in, there could be, and in the Team Bridges um, diagrams and, and sketches, there were places where people could park their cars and then they would get either um, use a, you know, a, a train or a um, another form of transportation to hop from those parking places into town. So those parking places would have solar panels that would shelter the cars from the, you know, extreme weather. And um, I'm frozen. Oh, there, I'm back. Good. Um, and they would have a convenience store of some kind, potentially a garage of some kind, so the car could be worked on. Uh, and so there would be conveniences and reasons for people to to engage in that satellite parking. Right. Because um, no one no one wants to just go to a parking lot outside of town without a little bit of extra motivation, maybe. Exactly. And I mean, the, the whole concept is that there would be incentives through the state, for instance, to have, uh, you know, um, some sort of program uh, that uh, environmental leadership program that would encourage people to to use those satellite parking spaces. And then and is then, um, micro transport just identifying how people get from the satellite parking to, to downtown or what is micro transit? Micro micro transit is micro transit. Uh, sorry, it's it's a, a you know the simplest way to describe it because people have mostly had urban experiences uh, and heard of Uber and Lyft uh, is that it is a public transportation form of Uber and Lyft. Uh, fortunately, in our case, the drivers are all unionized, so they're getting a fair wage, a very fair wage. Um, is it already and, up and running or is it a pipe? Yes, thing? it okay. launched on January 4th. Yep. And that's part, that's my ride? My ride by GMT. Yep. So okay. what happened was that there were three... Um, so the concept of typical concept of buses in public transit is that you have what's called a fixed route, fixed schedule service. Uh, and the difference with something like Uber and Lyft uh, and my ride by GMT is that you can uh, use an app on your phone and you can call a bus to come at a, very, at, at a specific time. You can either order in advance, up to a month in advance for a specific appointment that you have that you know of, like a doctor's appointment, um, or you can on the fly uh, schedule a ride and within 15 minutes, uh, a bus will come and pick you up, a vehicle will come and pick you up. And so this is a very big innovation uh, for our community because it, the fixed route, fixed schedule buses ran approximately hourly. So you would have to, if you wanted to get somewhere, uh, for instance, if I, I have been, I am car liberated, let me tell you. So car liberated, I have not had a car <laughs> for eight years. 
And, uh -huh. um, and so that's one of the reasons I'm very passionate about this project is because um, eventually my hope is that more people in Montpelier will have the opportunity to become car liberated because this service helps them. So if I wanna to go to the hospital, for instance, and I have an appointment at, let's just say two o'clock, sometimes I have to take a bus over an hour early to get to the hospital because the bus schedule and my schedule aren't in sync. And so the nice thing about my ride is that using the app you can, or using the telephone to make a call to request um, the service, you can leave your house and in 15 minutes be at your destination. So there's, mm -hmm. um, it makes it a little bit more uh, rider friendly, shall we say. How is GMT involved? So uh, the uh, GMT historically uh, is, is the operator in the central Vermont area. GMT um, still runs fixed route, fixed schedule buses that run from uh, Montpelier out to St. Johnsbury and back, sometimes in the middle of the day out to Marshfield and back run from Barrie to Montpelier and back, run the link, for instance, runs from uh, Burlington to Montpelier now to Barrie and back. Uh, and so, uh, and then you can go over and get on the Stowe buses, which go north and south. So uh, at when we decided to do, uh, or when the decision was made to do uh, My Ride by GMT, three bus routes, three fixed route, fixed scheduled bus routes, the Montpelier Hospital Hill, the Montpelier Circulator, and the um, uh, Capital Shuttle were chosen to become, to get rolled into my ride by GMT. So instead of having those three fixed route, fixed scheduled buses, uh, there was then going to be a, um, you know, the my ride option mm -hmm. uh, of the not of the free, you know, chosen schedule, chosen route. And uh, bids were put out. Uh, the state, the VTrans put out um, a request for proposal for different companies to pick up this contract. And um, GMT came in with the best price and uh, was selected to be the operator. So um, it's great. Uh, a sustainable Montpelier Coalition uh, really is, our work is in several areas. Our work has been in transportation uh, and we also were working on capital area neighborhoods since, especially since the pandemic, which is organizing uh, neighborhoods into groups that can communicate with the city, the city communicate with the neighborhoods and neighbors communicate with each other. And then the third area is food security. Uh, and so uh, Sustainable Montpelier had initiated the original, um, uh, what were they called, uh, roundtables, mm -hmm. and um, was the partner that supported the uh, working group uh, as it went through its year cycle. And we are now the community partner with GMT uh, doing a lot of actual, um, we're kind of the boots on the ground here in Montpelier, 
We're um, meeting with uh, a lot of individuals who are current riders and figuring out ways in which we can help them uh, transition to the new system. So that was basically been our work for the last month or so. We've started it in October uh, and um, really in the last month when the transition happened, we've been helping a lot of people make the changeover, so. And how does the cost compare just out of curiosity? Cause you know, if I'm, if I'm in the, in the other city and I just, I wanna choose between Uber and taking the bus, I'm looking at the okay. difference between $1 and $14. So how do you flatten that or what's, cause you, well, mentioned, it, you mentioned in one of our correspondences, uh, sort of an e-justice component to this. I don't know, so I'm always thinking, well, look, my most cynical side looks at a lot of initiations in wealthy parts of the country and says, okay, great, this sounds like it's pretty cool for rich people, but what about everybody else? So, Right, well, the good news is that during COVID, um, the cost of riding uh, any of the GMT buses and uh, especially my ride is free. Uh, and so once the COVID restrictions are lifted, the cost for riding within uh, Montpelier proper will still be free. Uh, the cost for riding from Montpelier up to the uh, Berlin Mall uh, CVMC uh, area in Berlin will be a dollar with um, a reduced rate for uh, seniors and um, certain other groups of people. So it's very affordable compared with a taxi. Um, we have some, you know, we have Green Cab and a few mm -hmm. other uh, groups. And, and the other thing is that we insisted that the, um, the train station in Montpelier be included in the service area. And unfortunately, the timing is such that you can only get to the train station in the morning or get picked up in the morning um, uh, because the service times don't uh, go to the evening when, you know, I don't know, the train comes in at like eight o'clock at night and um, our service ends at six o'clock in the evening. But it, it's so much more reasonable for me to get from the center of Montpelier to the train station is, I don't know, $15 or something like that. It's like, I walk it in the summertime, mm -hmm. but in the winter time. Yeah, I not have in the to, winter. Not in the winter. And, and uh, you know, right now, of course, the train isn't running. So we're mm -hmm. not happy about that. But anyway, it's very affordable because it's public transportation. This is, it, this is supported by the money comes through from the federal government to the state and then is, um, you know, uh, the the legislators to determine, um, you know, how the will help determine agency of transportation gives them a budget and they will sometimes tinker. So with is that a the bit, only but, source of funding or does it have other sources of funding as well? Um, at this point, this is where the funding comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What types of metrics do you have in place sort of to say like, oh, we're making an impact in terms of number of vehicles coming into the city, you know, parking spaces have have do you have certain parking areas that are prioritized um to be designated areas to actually convert into housing or you know when when will we start to see sort of the, yeah. the fruits of that or whatever or, or how are you measuring that that kind yeah. of land use impact on on the downtown area 
It's um, it's challenging to some degree because we're in a COVID situation. So whereas we were a community that was considering um, putting in a parking garage, uh, you know, just before COVID hit, right now we have um, empty parking lots. Uh, the state will remain, I think it's until what, the end of March or the beginning of April or something, the state will still be telecommuting uh, the state workers. And um, so the face of Montpelier looks very different now than it did pre-COVID. Right. Um, we can get the data for the parking meters on the street. Um, we do have the maps of the um, state parking lots and we have a count on how many cars are there. Uh, so we have that data. Uh, and um, yeah, so we're, we're, you know, we do have the wonderful thing is that the software company that um, does the app, the My Ride by GMT app, is it turned out to be via in the end um, that there were, I don't know, 12 different software companies that bid on the this contract mm -hmm. um, and via was chosen. And so they have um, a lot of metrics for riders, for instance. Right. And, you know, the, the length of ride, the how many how often that rider rides. Uh, where they're riding to, what their total distance that they've traveled. And so eventually we're hoping that we can um, generate some data on, um, you know, the number of people who, the increase in the number of people who are taking my ride who are no longer taking cars into Montpelier. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that will be coming, but we're very... Well, you know, the we, number you have now is definitely a, you know, giant increase from what it was a month ago. <laughs> yeah. It's Which, so um, we did, we do have uh, our team, our sustainable Montpelier team. We have Dan Jones, who's the executive director. Um, and then we have Laura Brooke, uh, who is the research director. Mm -hmm. Laura spent that year when the VTrans working group was uh, meeting, uh, doing outreach to other organizations uh, throughout the United States who are engaged in microtransit. Yeah. And um, so Lone Tree Colorado, um, um, trying to think of uh, West Sacramento, just a whole slew of places. So uh, one of the things that we realized from interviewing those organizations and those, those different places across the country is that metrics really help. Uh, if you're going to do this, you might as well know what's, you know, what you're accomplishing and yeah. have those those in place from the beginning. So Laura's been very careful to, um, Laura and Constantino Stavaros, uh, who's one of our board members, uh, he used to work for uh, the MTA down in New York, um, you know, have been very careful to curate the, the, um, the metrics that we want to collect through the process. So we're on that case. <laughs> You mentioned a few other cities. Uh, um, my question is, what about uh, other cities in Vermont? And you know, how how can we connect the dots? You know, in in our own in our own neighborhood. You know, I live, like, you know, 
right next to a train track that goes all the way down to, I live in Winooski, you know, all the way down to Burlington, you know, <laughs> all the way down south. And it just seems like the, there's some infrastructure sort of sitting around from like a bygone age that we've just sort of abandoned. So mm. are other Vermont cities interested? Is there a potential that we could connect some more dots, you know, not just between Barrie I'm new to Vermont. It's pronounced Barry, right? Between Barry yes. and, and Montpelier and, uh, you know, Burlington and, and Montpelier. Right. Well, uh, you, you, this is a whole separate interview with David Blitterstorff, who is... I can't um, pronounce that name. We're not doing an interview with that person. <laughs> yeah, no, you are because he's a great, he's a great guy. <laughs> and his, his whole point, you know, his, I don't know, his statistics, and I, I'm probably going to misquote it, but something crazy like 80 to 85% of households in Vermont are within one mile of a train track. And the, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is a whole separate discussion because right now uh, the way that the ownership and use of train tracks in Vermont are mostly freight and um, there is a different standard that trains have to, train tracks have to be um, brought up to if they're going to be passenger rail. But our vision, you know, the, the, the Team Bridges vision, the David Blitterstorff vision, is that there's train tracks, yeah, that go up north and south to Burlington, but from Burlington all the way over to um, uh, New Hampshire. And so then, there's really the ability to live anywhere along this train track and, you know, Montpelier for Montpelier to become more of a bedroom community of Burlington or for, you know, um, for us to be more of a bedroom community for um, places in New Hampshire. So it really, um, rail could very well free up um, a lot of transportation. And I, you know, once you talk with David, you get the whole lowdown. It's a really, it's an exciting conversation. I have been on, he bought these bud cars, which are two directional. And um, what cars? They're called bud cars, B-U-D-D. And they are. Um, are those these the are ones from, you see in old timey movies where people have the handles that go no, up and down? No, uh, but they were, they <laughs> were powered by oil and they're now doing, and I don't know whether this is like on the QT, but they're. They're pursuing um, making them uh, so that they're electric powered, uh, so that they can be solar powered. Because um, David Blitterstorff is also very much involved with um, solar in mm -hmm. Vermont. Uh, so he's a fascinating guy. Um, well, we'll have him on for sure. Part, yeah. Part, gonna, part two gonna... of the transportation discussion. It is. And, and you know, it's, it's really fascinating because to put in uh, like a mile of I-89 is fantastically expensive. And, and that would be the same price that it costs to redo the whole infrastructure of the <laughs> nine or 10 miles from Montpelier to Barry. So anyway, I wax poetic, but it's a dream to, to return to rail um, and rail that is um, electrified. Um, so- Well, they've got the new magnet I don't know what it's called. There's a new one planned anyway. I guess it's in the public comment period to go from Baltimore to D.C. I guess it'll be one of the first high-speed trains that we have in the States, basically. 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know much about that, but I, I am not going to comment on the current administration, except to say that I've heard that Biden was a train rider. And if he can be like thumbs up about trains, it would probably be good for us. So onward hope, but back to microtransit. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) you know, it, it, so microtransit, um, it really, uh, as we go into the, well, I was very upset because, uh, you know, as we were launching microtransit, I was like, oh my God, we're in the middle of COVID. And uh, one of our, um, the people on our um, MyRide uh, community advisory group is what they're now called. That's what the working group transformed into. There are about 20 people on that group now. Um, is a transportation advisor for uh, Agency of Transportation, VTrans and GMT. And he was like, don't worry, Elizabeth, it's going to be a soft opening. So (laughs) it's been kind of nice this month to have that soft opening. Um, And we look forward as as COVID restrictions uh, are lifted and as more uh, right now, there's a limit of eight people who can ride a... um, a vehicle, yeah. uh, and as those restrictions return to normal, uh, we will be pushing, um, you know, more people using the system. Uh, but anyway, it's just exciting to think about, you know, as you walk around downtown uh, Montpelier and you're walking it to the edge of the parking lot along Lewinuski, it's exciting to think that something like you have in Burlington could happen with a, with a path and benches mm-hmm. and the ability to be close to and to redo the um, the riparian buffer along the river, uh, make it really beautiful. So, so we're gonna uh, wrap up now. I th- oh wait, I did want to say one more thing. So, have any other Vermont cities reached out to the group to say how could we do this in Vermont? So, uh, we setting are... aside the train track question, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you could edit that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so to um, address the how can uh, this pilot project, this two-year pilot project in Montpelier, uh, have an effect on other mm-hmm. Vermont cities? It, uh, it can have an effect not just on other Vermont cities, but on other small uh, cities throughout New England and throughout the country. Um, this is really the first time that VIA has taken, I think, something of this size on. Uh, they've done a lot of work in more urban areas. Like if you imagine the grid of New York City mm-hmm. and you imagine a shared use vehicle coming south on the west side or the east side or, you know, in the middle, collecting people and dropping them off as they're all going south or vehicles going north. Um, it's slightly a different process uh, now because we're it's smaller and the patterns are more complex. So what's interesting is that the um, app learns, the uh, algorithms of the app learns as it goes forward. So we are already seeing um, an increase in, uh, you know, knowing of the app uh, after- Of like efficiency of routing? Yes, efficiencies of routing, exactly. So I, I think that we're the, one of the reasons when you spoke about metrics earlier, one of the reasons we're being very careful to um, to really uh, document everything is so that that our learning about how to help 
current riders transition to the new system, our learning about how to attract new riders to the system uh, can all be documented and shared uh, with other communities as we go forward. Right. So it's exciting. It, yeah, it sounds great. Um, last thing before we um, depart here for people that want to get involved or want to learn more, you know, where do they go? Can, can anyone get involved or is there a test? No, that, um, it, you know, we do have a lot of um, need for assistance. Uh, our website is www.sustainablemontpelier.org. Uh, and uh, we are, we have a, a group called um, Ambassadors, uh, Ride Ambassadors. Uh, so the very first week that uh, the shift happened, happened from the old fixed route, fixed schedule buses to the new MyRide, we had individuals uh, located at key bus stops throughout the service area to help people if they were, um, you know, figuring out what it was. We had huge, huge signs, but amazingly people are not, not looking at signs, they're looking at their phones. So, uh, so people can get involved and there's a take action link on the, on the website that you mentioned, and I'll put the URL in the show notes so people don't have to type that yeah. in manually if they don't want to. Thank you. That'd be great. I want to say one last thing, and that is that um, because not because it is public uh, transportation, not everybody has a um, has a phone. Right. And so, uh, one of the the things that we uh, really uh, discovered uh, as an accommodation, a universal accommodation, after talking with Disability Rights Vermont in particular was that um, for, oh, I don't know, 35, 40 years, there've been transit phones in urban areas. You can go and pick up a phone and you know talk with someone. Well, those transit phones are now um, going to be um, put at key locations throughout the service area, at um, bus stops, at the mall, for instance, the Berlin Mall. So someone can go pick that phone up and just talk to um, the customer service and schedule a ride. So it'll be very simple. There's no technology that's needed. You know, granted in COVID, you're going to want to hold the phone out a little bit and not have it right <laughs> on your face. But, you know, it's it's an, an easy access um, that anyone can do. So Honestly, that, was, that sounds easier than using an app. <laughs> Just pick it up the is phone. easier. I'm at 34th and Madison. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm at the Berlin Mall and I want to go back downtown, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's really, it really, when we realized that, we had thought about installing tablets and how would the tablets work because it's cold. Oh, and the transit phones, like at the New Jersey airport, oh, get rid of all the people. No, that's great. That's so great. That was, that really made it um, made us feel so much better when we realized. And so there are all the learnings that we are, you know, encountering along the way. We're documenting so that we can share them. So it's exciting. It's been the process. Perfect. Elizabeth Parker, director of public engagement or public engagement director, whatever yeah. way you'd like to spin it. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll have to touch back in, in a few months or something and see what has happened uh, as the restrictions start to lift. Thank you so much Great. for coming on. 
Thanks so much for having me.